And now we are back with the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for our Season in Review wrap-up show. Joining me in the front office, Todd, Phil, and Keith. Welcome back, guys. Man, what a crazy playoff season. Good to be back to you guys. What's up? Yeah, I did not expect the Indians to go out that quick. That was a little brutal. But hey, at least the Diamondbacks made playoffs. That's all that matters. Well, at least the Cubs lost also. That's really all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> a little surprising to see the young uh, Yankees this far. Man, they may, they may be going a little further. I still think Houston comes back. By the way, we're recording on uh, Game 6. Right now, it's going on. Yeah. All right, we're going to kick off tonight with a little bit of a season recap. Todd, take it away. So in this segment, I'll be going over the MVP Cy Young and Rookie of the Year ball according to player rating on ESPN. So essentially, that takes a normal 5x5 league that gives them value depending on their final total and then the total value at the end. So starting with MVP for the American League, Jose Altuve finished second overall and he would win the AL MVP. Altuve this season had an amazing 346 batting average, 24 homers, 81 RBIs, 32 stolen base, did a lot of everything. What do you guys think about two-day season or other guys in America. The crazy thing to me is is um, Ryan Spader tweeted out a lot of different times about how uh, Jose Altuve is basically on pace to beat Pete Rose's record. Um, years years in the league and also age-wise, he's a little bit younger than uh, Pete Rose was the same years in the league. Uh, just because he's had, I think it's four seasons in a row with 200-plus hits. So um, He's a special, special hitter. I don't think you can say enough about what Altuve's done in, in his young career, like you were saying, Phil. Um, as far as the, the fantasy spin on this, he's going to be, you know, the second overall pick, I think, in 99% of drafts. Going to go Trout, Altuve, and then a number of other, um, which is where he needs to go. And, and you know what? He may finish above Trout. He may be the number one overall player in 2018. His floor is so high um, that he's going to return value pretty much everywhere. Incredible what he's done in a shorter period of time. Was that a short joke? Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Moving on to the National League. Now, this is probably the most surprising one out of all of them. But finishing third overall, Charlie Blackman, National League MVP, finishing with a 13-player rating. And uh, on the season, he had 331, 37 homers, 104 RBIs, and bases. What do you guys think of Blackman winning the NL MVP? I think it's the right call. I, I think, you know, about six or eight weeks ago, I dug in pretty deep and was looking at the different NL candidates. And at that point, Goldschmidt was leading the race, but he had a really rough last month of the season or last 30 days and Blackman just continued to produce. Um, again, kind of the, the fantasy spin on this for me is you know, I was looking at one of the industry dynasty drafts for 2018 just last night and it had Blackman going in a dynasty league 25th overall for what? next season. And I was like just, that's crazy. It had Arenado going I think third or fourth, Blackman at 25. And you know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or anything but I, I went back at these three guys and was like hey what, what's going on with this? And they're like well if he, you know, if he doesn't stay field and this, this, and this, and so I just, for me, he's, you know, I think in my top 10, I have him, you know, probably fourth or fifth or something like that in my top 10 for next year. So clearly I, I'm buying into what he did this year and I think it'll continue. So yeah, him and Altuve. Yeah. So does he not have the track record to say that he knew this? Well, I think this was a power outlier, not outlier, but you saw his power uptick this year and his deals were down. Um, and, but that doesn't mean that he can't kind of continue this. The power's up for everybody within the league. I mean, right. you look at the home run per 
per nine league wide. We're setting records left and right. So, you know, just because his home run pace is up, I don't think the Rockies have any desire to get rid of Blackman anytime soon. So I think he's going to be a staple in, in you know, Denver for at least a few more years with those contracts. Yeah, according to uh, baseball reference, he uh, free agent in 2019. So one more year. Yeah. No, free agent 2019 means that he plays 2019 oh. season. So it's really two more yep. years. Um, but anyways, uh, a lot of his value really came from uh, batting average and runs scored. So... I mean, he scored 137 runs. That, to me, is probably not sustainable. Um, I mean, he, he's great, but he led the league in, in runs by a good amount. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Now, his batting average, if he doesn't stay in cores, probably is still going to not hurt you. It's probably also not going to be, what, is, what did he hit this year, like 340 or something? 331? Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he might end up with, let's say, a 290, 295 batting average instead, with still probably close to 30 home runs and maybe he tries to steal a little bit more who knows um but i mean yeah i would still take him as a guy that is easily a first round pick at least next year but i mean in the dynasty league i'm just curious like who went above him that's that's the one thing that you have to know because i mean guys like mookie betts or like uh let's see what are, where are we at here like i would i would take him over mookie betts I'll, I'll give, give me a second to pull it up here but the interesting thing to me is so the two i looked at the you know this draft and it was just kind of a three-man you know mock draft or whatever and he went i think 24th overall and then brendan rogers went 44th overall so i was like what the hell's, what the hell's going on here like, I, I get that maybe you're going to doubt Blackman, but then for Rogers to go 44th when I'm probably not even going to get more than 250 at bats next year, like, I don't know, man. We really know what Rogers is at this point. I mean, he's like five, and yeah, he's going to play in course, but he's more likely to trade it for a, a piece right now for the Rockies to produce in 2018 when the Blackman doesn't play the next two seasons there. So just a little bit weird, but uh, yeah, there was there was guys like that that went ahead of him. So moving on to pitching, the number one overall player this year, according to Player Raider in AL Cy Young, is Corey Kluber. Uh, finish year of a 2 5 year. 0.89 with 265 strikeouts and so Kluber over Sale what do you guys think of that? I get how ESPN probably calculated it because Sale had a couple of rough starts down the stretch there but if you're moving forward I think Sale's still got a better potential to produce next season based on you know what his strikeout numbers are I mean he was up there this year as far as K per 9 Pedro Martinez and Randy Johnson from you know the, the ninth. and so I think I'm probably going to believe a little bit in that now there's a shred rating guys like Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, and Sale, in my opinion. Those guys are a tier moving into next season, but I still have Kluber a little bit. The one thing to me about uh, Chris Sale versus Corey Kluber is the division. Uh, you got to think about the White Sox are rebuilding. The Tigers are transitioning towards rebuilding. They're trading away assets. Um, it's it's not going to be that competitive of a division. Uh, the Royals are probably going to get pretty bad this year because I think they have Hosmer and Mustak as free agents. Um, I don't think many of those lineups scare me. Now, if you look at the Yankees, you look at Baltimore, um, even uh, Toronto's damn good. So I don't know if that to me is uh, apples to apples because that's where I kind of have the edge on uh, Kluber versus Sale. And I think that's where he did end up picking up a lot of his extra like 15 strikeout games, you know? Yeah, and I think with Player Raider, the big difference was Sale had a 290 array and Kluber had five. That was a big jump point for uh, Kluber. 
Vancouver. But moving on to the National League, Wayne the Cy Young in number four overall in player rating, uh, three spots ahead of Kershaw, but Max Scherzer won the NL Cy, uh, NL Cy Young for player rating. Finishing year of 268 strikeouts, 251 ERA, 0-9 whip, and what do you guys think of Scherzer? I think he's the closest bet to a sure thing when it comes to starting pitching. He's healthy, so, you know, we know how talented Kershaw is, but I'm really concerned about his back moving into 2018. Um, Sale it has been really good this past season, but not as good consistently for as long as Scherzer has. And same thing, Kluber is trending up, but I think Scherzer is as close to a sure thing going into next year. See, that's weird because I literally I feel the same about Kluber because didn't Scherzer just have some injury concerns in the playoffs? Like, didn't they not want him to start game two or something like that? They pushed him back a game because of yeah, some the, sort of he had the shoulder. Hamstring, yeah. Well, oh, the hamstring it, in the playoffs, and then uh, he had a neck issue throughout that it, game. Yeah, so and, I, I don't know. I would... I would rather go Kluber over Scherzer even, sorry, to circle back, but it was weird that you said that. And, and you're right, Scherzer had some concerns going into this season, for which, you know, I drafted a lot of them at a little bit of a discount because I think there were some whispers of injury concerns. But if you look at, you know, it was kind of weird that I was looking this up today, but if you look at who's had the most at-bats, which is a dumb thing to look at for pitchers, but I was looking at today which pitchers that had the most at-bats in the last three seasons, and I think Scherzer was at the top of that, and then like three cut, Lackey, Arietta. Um, and Lester, I think. Um, and, and what that tells me is something that I'm really interested in, in moving into 2018. I want pitchers that are going to go the distance. I want guys that have, are going to stick in the game long enough to win because that win potential is shrinking every single season. And we start to see that even more in the playoffs now, where you're excited if a guy gets in the fourth or fifth inning. So if win potential or wins is something in your league, you need to have guys that are going to go deep into the game. And I think Scherzer and some of those top aces can definitely do that. And according to Player Raider this year, uh, Kluber finished first among pitchers, Scherzer second, Sale third, Kershaw fourth, and Strasburg fifth. So Strasburg is the unsung, unsung hero in all of this, to be honest with you. But yeah, you can go ahead and move on. Yeah, sneaky good year for Strasburg. 14-4, 204 strikeouts, 2-5 year A. So that's up there with them. Strikeouts a little lower. But the so. quote-unquote in- injury concern from Strasburg doesn't bother me anymore, <laughs> yeah. but I'm sorry again. So <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right, moving on to Rookie of the Year. Um, obviously, in the American League, Aaron Judge finishing 12th overall at Player Raider. Oh! Um, finished 284 bang average, 52 homers, 114 RBIs, and 9 stolen bases. What do you guys judge for any American League rookies? I definitely think he ran away with it. I think he's actually going to get more MVP consideration than I'm comfortable with. Uh, and he's he deserves it. I mean, did as a rookie is amazing. He shattered, you know, Yankees records for home runs. Uh, he had a, a pretty atrocious last 45 days. Pretty atrocious first five games to start the, the American League playoffs. Uh, we seen what he can do in stretches where he's hot at play. You know, I appreciate that he has good discipline from a walk standpoint. He still strikes out way too much. Part of that is probably that he's seeing so many breaking balls, especially in the last, you know, 10 or 20 games, it seems like. But I think he's going to adjust. We talked about this during the season. Every level they've gotten to, he's failed and then adjusted. And, and so I think he's going to continue to do that. I don't think he's going to do that be a perennial MVP candidate. It's just too hard to do. Not going to be as consistent as Altuve and Arenado and Goldschmidt and Trout and those other guys. He's not going to be as consistent with those guys because he strikes out too much. But I still think he's a special. I agree with almost everything you said except that his <laughs> last 45 days was bad because... Yeah, his last month was... He was on fire. Yeah, he was yeah, at yeah. 311, had 15 homers. I mean, his July and August were atrocious. They were mis- miserable. But yeah, okay. the, la- the last month of the season, he just went off again. And that's what makes 
makes me think that maybe he'd make an adjustment and then maybe the pitchers adjusted back in the playoffs. And I think it's going to be kind of a cat and mouse trying to figure out how can he get back to Stanton's level like Stanton has done consistently through his career. Um, Stanton has, has had a couple of down years too. So I think that those two players are, are pretty on par with each other. And I don't think either one of them is as good as, um, you know, people have thought they were in the past. Like the people that were trading judge for trout, that's ridiculous. <laughs> those, those days are over. Um, Stanton, Stanton, the same thing. I just don't, I don't think that, you know, obviously Stanton's amazing 59 home runs, all that good stuff. But at the same time, too many strikeouts, just not a player you can consistently count on year in and year out. And uh, Judge finished 12th in play 10 to 5, but winning the National League Rookie of the Year was Cody Bellinger. Uh, finished the year, he was uh, finished year 56 overall, and he finished the year 37 homers, 97 RBI, 26 batting average, and 10 stolen bases. What do you guys think of Cody Bellinger winning the NL Raider MVP? Rookie of the Year. I think of all the awards, this is the one that's the clearest to me. There's nobody else that, in my opinion, that is all too deserving what he's done in LA in a short term. And if you think about what his season is even to this point. I mean, he burst onto the scene. There was that stretch where, you know, Judge was already performing and then he started hitting home runs at a, a quicker pace than what Judge was doing and all the comps going back and forth. Um, I, I'm more encouraged by Bellinger long-term than I am Judge. Um, maybe just a little bit. They're both, you know, really good, but I think I'm probably more on board as consistent-wise with Bellinger. And think about his season right now. I mean, he's, he's advanced to the World Series in his first year. He's going to have a Rookie of the Year. I think he was an All-Star this year. Faded in the Home Run Derby. I mean, there's nowhere to go for uh, for Bellinger. Just an incredible season. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way you do. I I think that I would rank him just slightly above uh, Aaron Judge, and that's you know that's not a bad place to be. So uh, I think you just pretty much hit the nail on the head on that one. And, and just one of the heavy things that I'm going to go into or, or be talking about for 2008 hitters is you know I'm overvaluing steals or steal potential because I think that home runs are being devalued. So the guys that hit 25 home runs and steal two bases and have a 270 batting average are going to be pushed out of especially the ESPN standard game where you have like 250 or 300 players that you're kind of playing with. So I think the guys like Bellinger who have elite power and the steal potential is still there. I mean, he's at his age, he's still going to steal. And what did he have, 15 this year? I mean, he could steal 25 bases if he wanted to. He had 10. It. Okay. He, he could steal 20 bases if he wanted to. Got the speed. He's got, you know, he could probably even slot in the center field a little bit and play there so he's extremely athletic so a guy that can hit 40 home runs 275 280 and give you potentially 15 steals or an upside of 20 steals i mean he's somebody that can be a number one overall player next year everything breaks right yeah i mean if he played a full season this year he probably would have got stolen bases so well, like that point there. Also, also keep in mind that you know yadier molina is probably the slowest person in major league uh <laughs> right now maybe maybe tied with pull holes uh but he had 12 stolen bases one year so it's all about want. Well, if you shoot, want to steal many... bases, then you can steal bases. And that's, you know, go ahead. I was going to say, shoot, this year, Yachty stole how many? Oh, I just had it pulled up and exited out because it had some well, some he... kind of ad pop up. Yeah, he stole nine this year. Which and... led, see what I'm led saying? all catchers, yeah. Which is, which is crazy, but you, you think that nine would be hard to do for a guy that's slow, but if you get on base consistently and you just take your chances... And it's not like he gets thrown out a lot. He get he has a pretty high success rate. It's just if you want to steal bases, pitchers don't pay attention if you're slow. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Pujols stole bases for years. Pujols wasn't slow always. Pujols was very aggressive and and had quickness. 
um, after he left. Eh, maybe the last couple of years of St. Louis, he started to slow down a little bit because uh, of his feet. But uh, I, he was actually a pretty decent runner earlier in his career. Now we'll turn to oh, our favorite thing to do, some board bets. These are the board bets we made this year. I am sending you guys one thing. And while you're doing that, I just want to kind of cap off real quick that last last segment. I have Bellinger going into next season um, ranked 19th overall, which is probably going to be higher than most people, and I'm totally okay with that. I mean, I just think people are naturally going to be scared off of a guy having a really good rookie year, and how's he going to bounce back his sophomore year? But I'm behind Bellinger, too. I think it's sustainable. So hitters-wise, in like the second round for me, I have Correa, Brian, Freeman, Rizzo, uh, Ramirez, Donaldson, Bellinger. That's my second round for hitter-wise. Hitter yeah, and, and Bellinger is interesting just by kind of the path he came up with. In a well, early on in the minors and kind of through his interviews and stuff, he always said when he was younger, he was never much of a home run guy. And it's just something that his power developed and the juice baseball has probably helped. But it's kind of interesting that he's a guy who has maybe a better natural approach. All right. So our first board bet was Archie Bradley. This was between Keith and the rest of us. Keith said that Archie Bradley would be a starter by May 21st. 2018. <laughs> 2017. <laughs> and he was not in Instead, Archie Bradley was the standout kind of rock that Arizona Diamondback bullpen and led helped him to was it fourth overall in ERA? It was something ridiculous. And they were dead last when he Yeah, just the pitching overall for the Diamondbacks made a big uh, you know recovery from 2016 to 2017, and that was a lot large portion of what their success was this season. You know what you got out of Robbie Ray, what you got out of Archie Bradley, and even some of the supporting cast as far as Walker and Godley was a big break out so definitely the pitching and the improvement this year is what carried them into the postseason yeah everybody stepping up they had the lowest team era in team history this year in, in, a, in a year where more home runs were hit across baseball as a whole than ever before so in chase field the, the humidor probably coming in 2018 so um should be interesting as far as starting your wise coming in next year definitely all right the next board bet it was uh, I don't know. It was almost a wash, but what is the player raider there, Keith, of Jason Vargas? Oh, he's way higher. <laughs> Let me, hold on. Let me look it up. I, I get one. We, we need a, you, a statistical you definitely number here. Oh, he's somebody's uh, better. He, Jason he, led, Vargas he led the majors in wins, didn't he? Uh, 4.63 as far as what the player raider is, which is an arbitrary number. I don't know what that means, but uh, as far as starters-wise, let's see where he ranks. Forty fifth, forty fifth among stars. Yeah. Wow. Who was that bet uh, up against? And that, that was against Julio Urias. 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 <laughs> uh, negative, negative two point three four, which Ouch. is also not great. In all fairness, that was a trap. That was me bullying Phil into a bet <laughs> he wasn't comfortable with, and I don't feel bad about it. So pretty much, well, the, in, pretty much the, the first two bets are kind of a wash. Well, the thing about it was is Urias got injured, and I didn't think about the stats in the bank when I made the bet. So yeah, I was I was pretty much dusted to fail from day one again and i'm totally fine <laughs> but i was i was destined to win the uh one of these next ones coming up so i'll just uh let you know about that when it comes to <laughs> I, remember, I already remember some of these so go on jeremy all right Alright, these are only the ones that I have written down. Um, there may have been ones that we missed or that we never officially locked down a handshake on. This one is Keith versus the rest of the front office. Oh, this has to be Gallo then. This is Joey Gallo's 232 <laughs> batting average <laughs> right, by the right. end of the year. 
what, what did I get trapped into as far as uh, batting average here? What was the official batting average? Oh, I think he was at like 199 at Time that point. You said he was going to finish with 230. 232. And he ended up with 209. <laughs> so he made but some see, headway, but... But see, uh, the thing is, is I would have taken the bet at 220 and, uh, and lower numbers, but you just threw out a high <laughs> number and I just started <laughs> laughing and I was like, okay, I'll take it. I mean, at the time, yeah. 210 would have been right. almost out of the question, but somehow, yeah. so Keith's all, down one. All things considered, he had a good year, though. I, stu- I stuck with Gallo the entire season, even though the three of you were debating it with me and basically everybody else on my Twitter account. Um, but I, I, I stuck <laughs> Questioning with him the whole your year, sanity. But he had a good year, and, and the crazy thing is, we'll talk about it here in a second, but he's being drafted pretty highly for next season. Let's see where he ended, because he was some points. And uh, in the league that we play, and we play in an on-base percentage league, so he's big, he does a lot better difference. in on-base percentage. Yeah, huge yes. difference, because he does take walks. Uh, his on-base is than what his batting average is. So, in, in, 100 and, 125 points higher, yeah. Yeah, so in, in our league, he finished as like a top 10 third baseman. In uh, other leagues, he wasn't even in the top. Yeah, top, oh, top he's, five he's, in home runs on the year. Yeah, but for a standard 5x5 five five, uh, Roto League, he is ranked 181 Ow. overall. Mm. Uh, right behind JT Realmuto and Pat Neshek, who was not even a closer for most of the year. I think he got one save. So just a random reliever had a better season than him. Right, to well, let, to let, a let standard me, fantasy, standard 5x5 five five league. And I'll, I'll break into this right now. All right, so Phil and I were, and we'll talk about this here in, in the next segment, but uh, Phil and I were part of an industry mock or a series of industry mocks uh, that Justin Mason um, did it with the, over at Friends with Fantasy Benefits. And so there was like 50 or 60 experts or industry guys that got together in four different teen-man mocks for 2008. So the consensus ADP for Gallo for next season in a standard batting average lead is 92nd overall. He was taken as high as 86 by me and as low as 116. Again, not by me. So apparently there's still some buy-in into what he can produce in next season. I don't know that I would even take him that high in batting average leagues. And on base percentage, yeah, I can buy into him as a future top 10, you know, top 12 third baseman with that pop and hopefully with a few more steals. But in a batting average league. All right. And so the final board bet we had a handshake on. This one was quite close. So if you pull up the graphic, I went through fan graphs and pulled up, sorted everything by our dates. And this was Trevor Bauer having a lower ERA August 10th through the end of season than Colorado's John Gray. Championship. And Todd, you were the you were the man that made this bet with Keith. Yeah, I think I backed Bauer here. You did, yeah. and come out on top. It was close. Well, a lot of their numbers. Gray had a really good second half. Bauer had a really good second half yeah, also. Yeah, it was it was the final month really separated them, and it was John Gray just, I think he had a one, a low one ERA last four or five starts. Which oh, really oh, pushed him ahead. Yeah, I, put a, I put a tweet out there a few weeks ago or a month ago or so, breaking down his season like four or six starts at a time. In the first, you know, four or six starts of the season were the worst and the next block was was better and so he got better and better each part of the season so yeah those last four starts or six starts of the last month of the season he really turned it on and was was extremely good and still playing half of his games at Coors Field so um, outlook looks pretty good for him and granted going into the wild card game we heard a lot about Colorado and John Gray John Gray came out and he's essentially told his team I want the ball I want to be the man I want to be the ace of this 
squad. And over his last five, six starts the season of the regular season, you see it. And he's he's the man right now to own in Colorado. Granted, once you hit the playoffs, no starting pitchers did well until the second yeah. round. Yeah, nobody really got past the fourth or fifth inning. And I think it was Trevor Bauer that was the first one that actually got past the fifth? Or he yeah, got into the fifth. Bauer went a six and two-thirds in NLDS, but then he got rocked. Yeah. But, I mean, comparing the two, comparing the two, I mean, a few innings is all that separates them. And Bauer had a 274 ERA over this time. Gray had a 2.5. Gave up nearly identical number of hits. Um, runs were identical, 15 and 15. Earned runs. One earned run Bauer had more than Gray, 15 to 14, may have been the deciding factor there. Bauer did give up more home runs, give up a couple more walks. Gray actually outstid him on strikeouts. Um, Average-wise, average against, 254 for Bauer, Gray, and just, I was surprised that as well as they did. Yeah, because the thing is, when we made that bet, it was both kind of saying we weren't too high on Gray and Bauer. For them to have incredible April, August, September, that was really surprising. They must have heard about our bet, so. <laughs> they listened to the podcast. Right. I wouldn't put it past Bauer. I think he does. He's, He's kind of a head case. So, side, sidebar real quick. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer blocked one of my followers on Twitter last night. What? We were going back and forth on Kiermeyer and who was injured. It was my tweet that I put out there. Who was injured more the last three years as far oh. as days on the DL. And somebody asked me, hey, how long is, how many days did Kiermeyer spend? And I was like, uh, 142 days the last three years. And this lady came back and she was like, oh yeah, you know, I I, I expected it to be more than that. Like an hour later, she back at you goes, uh, apparently Kiermeyer blocked me. And I was like, what? Oh. So, and here's the deal. We didn't even tag him in that tweet. He had to search his own name, <laughs> see what she wrote negative about him, and then blocked her. And I'm oh, like, awesome. wow. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, did you get blocked as well? I didn't. Oh, okay. I didn't get blocked because I went back and checked and I was like, because all I did was back out. He had missed a hundred and something days, 140 right. something days, three years. And then she made a comment based on that. She was like, yeah, he's kind of a seasonal player or something like yeah, that. I would expect I can... that. And then, but the funny thing is, I think players do that more often than we realize. Oh, yeah. I oh, think, yeah. but the fact that he searched his own name, it's not like we tagged his Twitter. He searched his own name, found something negative about himself, and was like, I'm going to watch Jake. He just doesn't need that kind of negativity in his life, Keith. He doesn't need to search for negativity? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they, most of these athletes have their little alerts turned on, and whether that creates Twitter or not. But... All right, so we're going to make sure everybody at the finish listening to the show, tweet at Kevin Kiermeyer, being really nice, and let's see if he you know, reaches out or something, because apparently he's paying attention. There you go. Smother him with love, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he may be worried he doesn't have a spot in that outfield next year. Anyway, that will wrap up our board bets, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll be making some more over this uh, off season and into next season, because kind of wish I had made a board bet about Moustakis. That's your dude. Uh, yeah. That was my dude. dude. So, all I'm, right. I'm calling, ju- I'm calling juice balls on him, though. <laughs> Big time. Can, can we just call him juice balls on the podcast from now on? No. Like- <laughs> You know what? Mike we can just call him J- We can just call him JB. JB. Mike JB. Oh boy. Let's see. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were a lot of guys that uh, really benefited from that juice ball era that we're playing in right now. Morrison, Justin Ryan Smoke. Zimmerman, Justin Smoke, Andre Alonso looked good for a few minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> seemed, like, seemed like every first baseman that just randomly came out of nowhere and then just fell off the planet. I mean, Joey Gallo. <laughs> I mean, were, were there any... Were there any Greg Bird? Wow. Oh, come on. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Todd, what are you saying there? No, we can talk about Greg Bird again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> way more, way more interesting than I thought. 
I, I'm waiting on that. That's going to be Keith's board bet in the offseason. So we'll, we'll get back to that one. I'm literally trying really hard not to like be back on the Greg Berg bandwagon because he's, I think he's going to be drafted around like number 200. And his first base wasn't so stacked. I'd probably be back on the bandwagon. I get my shirt out of the, you know, out of the, the washer and, and probably put it back on. It's a little wrinkly, but I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see where he gets drafted next year to see if I, uh, you know, take a shot. Prezi hasn't had it hanging back on the wall as a good luck charm for the uh, postseason. I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, you know, 2017, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. All righty, Keith, here we go to our third topic. What do you have All for right. us? All right, so we previewed it a second ago as we were talking. Um, and so, again, we're, I just want to break down what the ADP looks like, those industry mocks that, uh, that, that Phil and I joined in on, and pick out a few players, and we can kind of discuss if we think their value in 2018 is on target or if it's a little bit too high or a little bit too low. Um, and I'll just start kind of towards the top. And, you know, first overall in all four mocks was Trout. Second overall in all four mocks was Jose Alcubia. So I don't think there's really too much to discuss about that. Uh, but in the first round, the two two things that stood out to me or two players that stood out was uh, sixth overall in ADP is Trey Turner. And keep in mind, this is for next year. He was injured this year, missed a ton of time. Do you guys uh, agree or disagree with Trey Turner being that far up the board in the first round? I'm going to I'm gonna tackle this one first, guys. Um, Go ahead. And, and it's not going to be what you think. Uh, Keith and I had a very long conversation back and forth during direct messages uh, in the offseason. And, and we both came to the enlightened uh, perspective of Trey Turner and the stolen base that is scarce and the home run that is uh, plentiful. So guys like Arenado who don't steal any bases, they're not really as great as what you think they are uh, if you check the player rater versus guys like Trey Turner. So uh, especially in like a Roto League, now head-to-head categories where I came from, uh, where my mindset was last year. Uh, is a little bit different. I don't think that I would want Trey Turner that high in that, but in Roto, he gives you an advantage over, or that that you can't get unless you have Billy Hamilton, and Billy Hamilton is a drain in like three other categories. I will second that, because gotten to the point, as has been stated repeatedly, the flyball revolution has just kind of flooded the market with power. You don't have to go out the power hitter. You can let somebody else take him, and you can get a guy that can help you across multiple categories and, and be, I think, be really productive. And I think the way, at least in my mind, that I'm kind of separating the, the value of certain power hitters versus the pack is if you have already home run potential, um, which is actually quite a few guys. If you have 40 home run potential, you know, if you're a Stanton, if you're a Judge, if you're a Chris Bryant, if you're a, you know, a number of other guys who can lead the league in home runs and still have a, you know, above 270 batting average or around there, I think they can make up. They can, like a guy like Judge or Stanton can still be a first round pick because they can hit 15 more home runs than everybody else. Similar to what Stanton did this year. Right. There's a separating factor. There is. I think similar to what I'm doing pitchers, like there's 15 pitchers in my opinion that are just head and shoulders above everybody else. So that that first tier, and there's, there's separate tiers, but I think power hitters, I'm going to do the same way. I think once I get past those top team, the J.D. Martinez and, and other guys in that group who I think can hit 40 home runs and still hit around, you know, 275, once I get past those guys, I'm probably going to wait. Probably going to wait because I can pick up somebody, you know, in the second to last round that can give me 25 home runs and a 285 batting at the middle infield position. It's almost anybody. I mean, Jed Jerko could probably do it. Um, you know, there's tons of guys that just 
sprout out of nowhere and, and do that exact thing. So what he can do in, in talking about Turner is he's one of probably 10 or 12 guys that, again, could be the number one overall player. And part of my reason for, you know, uh, talking with Phil and, and we we're kind of going through this is his per game performance is outstanding the last, you know, two years or whatever he's done. It's it's the best in baseball per game on a fantasy standpoint. So if he actually does put it together and put a whole season out there, it's very likely he finishes in the top one, two, three, you know, right there in that same pack with Trout, Altuve, and a couple of So I just want to kind of point out to people that in 2015, the number of players that hit more than 30 home runs was 19 and across all of Major League Baseball. 2017, the number rose to 41. Yeah. So you have to think you need to be able to find other things because the home runs are there. Now, if you get a guy like like Keith was talking about, Stanton or Judge, who can double that number, um, yeah, great. Probably you're going to want to go for those guys. But, um, I mean, Justin Smoke hit 38 home runs this year. You can get home runs on the waiver wire in most cases. So um, I just think the stolen bases are going to be something that you're going to want to target, especially in uh, a Roto League. All right, so uh, we'll kind of breeze through this, and I'll kind of give you guys a couple of things that stood out to me again. Um, another one that we've maybe talked about a little bit is Kershaw was the first pitcher off the board. Um, as far as starters, Kershaw is going around, you know, nine as far as ADP. After that is Scherzer at 10. Then you have Kluber at 20. Actually, I'm sorry, Sale at 15 and Kluber at 20. Um, any thoughts? on how those four are breaking down? I'd rather have Kluber at 20 than any of the other ones. A thousand times. That's exactly yeah. what I've been saying the last like three months is I'm never going to draft Kershaw at 10 if I can have Kluber at 20. It's the health risk and I don't think there's that big of a separation between I want one of those four guys which means I'm probably going to end up with Kluber on most months. I'm going to wait till first two or three are gone and then look at where I'm at as far as in the queue and I'm just going to pick up. It really depends on how big your league is though because if you're in like a 15 team league like we were in these mock draft i was doing i was waiting for exactly what you were talking about and then i think it was two or three pitchers got taken immediately before me so i had to settle and and go a different route and then with my next pick i actually went uh carlos carrasco instead so um i had to take him a little bit earlier than i wanted to because i wanted to get someone that had bona fide ace potential so if you miss out on those guys there are other guys out there you just might have to to reach for them a little bit more than what you wanted to. In my my fallback plan, if I if I do get in a tight spot, like in this 15 man mock, I was on the on the turn of 15. So I had 15 and 16 with my picks. So I ended up taking Sale with my 15 pick, um, first overall player, and then taking a hitter right after that. So, but that's not going to be the case in most of these leagues. And, and if you do get caught in a tight spot and you miss one of those four guys or the third or fourth of that tier, my next play is probably the second and fourth round. I may double up on pitch and then wait because I want either one of the first four or two of the the five through fifteen, and after that, I'm probably going to wait for you know get a bunch of hitters, get some some steal potential, some guys with high batting averages, and then right. I'm probably going to wait. And then round out round out your team and rotation as you go. Exactly. Man, but I, I want think, I think I I'm going have... a different route this year. I think I'm going pretty pitcher heavy early because man, like we were just talking about, there is hitters on the waivers that come out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm going to grab some stolen bases and and some elite hitter early, at least one. But I think I'm going to go heavy on the pitchers this year. Right. Yeah, and that and that fifteen man mock, I, I did go kind of heavy on. Uh, all right, so a, a few more guys that I kind of want to point out here that stuck out in my mind. Um, another interesting thing towards the second round is Freeman and Rizzo. Uh, in my ranks, I have Freeman directly ahead of Rizzo. In this mock, Rizzo went one spot ahead of Freeman. Um, as far as ADP-wise, Rizzo shows ADP 17th overall, and then Freeman is tied 
tied for 20th with uh, three other players. So if they show back-to-back, um, are those two that close in your guys' opinion? No, I think it's more just Freeman missed time. The only deterrent on him is he missed enough time to drop him in the ranking. Granted, once he came back, back almost a vengeance and started racking up stats again consistently, I would prefer Freeman over Rizzo. Yeah, I think for me, it's, I think Freeman's on an uphill, you know, incline. I think he's improved year upon year upon year, and we kind of saw a shortened breakout from him this season. If he wouldn't have been injured, you know, he he may have made a run for, you know, an MVP or something like that. Oh, we just course. don't know. But and the scary thing about Rizzo, and we've seen it twice during the NLCS or the NLDS and the NLCS, is he leads baseball in hit-by-pitch. He is all over the plate. His hands are hanging over the plate, and he gets hit so often. He got hit, I think, in one of the games in the NLCS in the hand. And if I had to bet somebody if he was going to go down with a hand injury next year at some point, I'd be willing to make that bet. It's only a matter of time before he breaks a hand, similar to what Freeman did this year, puts him out for, for six to eight weeks instead of Freeman. So I, I worry about his health risk, that one specific thing, which is maybe being nitpicky, but if I'm going to take somebody in the first round, I don't want them being hit by 26 pitches a year. Also, I mean, I'm not saying the Braves lineup is that great, and yeah, call me a Cubs hater if you want, but Cubs hater. thank you. Uh, the Cubs lineup's really not that great. Um, Hayward, they thought was going to be good, sucks. Uh, Baez, hit or miss. Uh, same thing with Addison Russell. Schwarber can't touch a lefty. Um, I mean, Contreras is pretty decent. So they have they have a decent core in the middle, but everything else around that everything worked well in 16 and 17, everything didn't go well. And this is what it looks like. In 92 games, uh, you know, Rizzo had a down year. Bryant had a down year. Um, you know, they, these guys are not going to be first round talents every single year. And that's the thing that you have to worry about. Um, I think Freddie Freeman is... I know we've talked about how Joey Votto is the most pure hitter in baseball. I think you put uh, him up with Blackman and also uh, Freeman up on that list as well as far as just guys who just can make contact anytime they want to. Um, so I agree, both of you guys. Freeman would be uh, definitely a pick over Rizzo in my opinion. And just to jump on your your uh, Cubs hating bandwagon here for a second, it's yeah, not going to get any better for the Cubs. They traded Eloy Jimenez to the White Sox to get Jose Quintana to make a run that didn't work out. They don't have a top 100 prospect overall, so nobody is going to come. There's not a Ronald Acuna waiting in the minors to come help out with that lineup. So it's it's going to be difficult for them, especially if they have to trade a guy like Ian Happ, get somebody bolster that rotation after they lose John Lackey um, or Jake Arrieta if they let him slide. They're going to have to trade somebody like a Baez or a Happ or somebody like that, bolster that rotation. So that lineup's not going to get much better unless they make a free agent acquisition to increase that payroll even more. But then where does that player play? They're full. Their their roster spots are full. Like I just don't understand where they would add add something unless they traded away like Baez and Russell and then put someone at shortstop or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, they they would have to do something along those lines. Um, but yeah, I agree. I just think that it's it's dynasty as they called it was uh, hit over hype, just like the Mets were. It was short lived. And you know what? I, I worry that they just may not be as good the next couple of years. Like you know, like one of the, the bold predictions that I came out with. Are predictions that I came out with when the Cubs um, traded away Jimenez is 
that in 2019 that the White Sox will have a better record than the Cubs. And I, when you look at where those two franchises are heading, assuming that the White Sox spend around that time to start producing, I think it's pretty likely that the White Sox are on the upswing and the Cubs are the end of what was anticipated to be a dynasty just didn't outlive what it was supposed to be. I think that, yeah, I mean, it, it's essentially the exact same philosophy and, and the exact same game plan, but I think they did it better. Uh, just to be truthful, uh, because you know they signed Luis. Uh, what was his name? Luis, Luis Roberts. Roberts. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, he's that guy is a monster. They already have uh, Jose Abreu, who's young. I mean, I just think that they're already positioned to be, like you said, definitely a better team in in nineteen, if not twenty, it's, and going forward after that. Because what do the Cubs have? They have guys well, that'll be already on the decline by then. And, and if you heard Madden's post game yesterday, he's absolutely right. There, if you look up at the scoreboard. At the end of each year last year, there's only been them and one other team, or just them, in the National League at the end of the season. So they've made it to back to back to back NLCS, and that team's done great. Done. They've done what they anticipated to do. They just probably should have won a little bit more, maybe this season, and we'll see. Um, all right, so we're probably getting. Sorry, Do you want one, one more thing? I, I just wanted to say one thing. Um, the Cardinals made it to four in a row. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, see, now right. the Cubs are going to have to either blow up that team in order to create another contender. They're not, they're not going to blow it up. They're going to... They, no, they're, they're going to ride they're gonna it gonna in the ground. Right. Yeah. And they now still, that, now that they've won, cool. they're going to spend instead. That's that's what's going to happen. Exactly. They're going to try and maintain that, that as long as they can. All right, so the, the last uh, kind of group that I want to talk about is some some unlikely candidates um, maybe going into next season that being ranked or, or taken pretty high as far as the industry is concerned. Um, so 64th overall in ADP is Iron Buxton. 66th overall is Whit Merrifield. 75th overall is Tommy Bam. Anything stand out to you with uh, those three? I think the exact reason that all three of them are drafted as high as they are is because of what we just talked about. Stolen bases. Turner, stolen bases. And that's and that's the honestly, and I, I am targeting Buxton next year. I know that because Man, he is just such a phenomenal talent. And if he puts together a year like he has potential to, he could be a first round pick, but you get him sixth or seventh round. And then at that point, you're you're essentially uh, uh, head and shoulders above the rest of your league already. I'm just uh, on Buxton. I'm not going to have anything nice to say. Um, <laughs> I just I'm not convinced he's a good hitter. And I know, you know, last year, the last 30 games of the season or 60 games of the season, he kind of went on fire. And this year, he performed really well in his last you know 60 games or so but if you look at the overall performance of Buxton in this year and or last year he's in the bottom of all the categories you don't want him to be in he just doesn't look like somebody that hit and I, you know we see his glove out there flashing the outfield we see how fast he is he's gonna get you steals for me I just I'm gonna dig more into it in the offseason but I'm just not convinced at this point right now he's a good enough hitter and so I think that makes him extremely risky um on the flip side of that and and I'm probably gonna get shredded for this I think Tommy Pham is is a good hitter. Tommy Pham, I think, is you know being drafted at 75th overall, drafted him before that. I think Tommy Pham could be more like Mookie Betts than than people let on. I'm not saying he's going to be a perennial MVP candidate, but I th- if you look at the profile, I love what Tommy Pham does as far as an approach, what he can do, and I know Bill's about ready to roast me for him being like a 28-year-old prospect or non-prospect. I really like what, what Pham did this season, and I, I'm much more encouraged and likely to draft him at that spot than I am to draft. No, um, actually Actually, I I don't really fully disagree with what you're saying. Uh, The only thing about it is, is Fam has eye issues that who knows if he's really over those eye issues at this point. Um, He is definitely the Cardinals best player. 
that is no doubt in my mind. And I just had an ad popping up, so I have to pull him back up one more time. Uh, but let me get that done. Uh, but so I saw a stat that was kind of crazy. Um, I believe I'm reading this right, so I'm kind of trying to remember it. The most war for actual dollar salary um, because he does not make very much money and he had a 6.4 war season. Uh, and 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 that that's just kind of crazy. Yeah, that every time I log on to the page, it starts having a uh, crazy thing <laughs> sound back <laughs> in my ears. I don't know if you guys can hear it or not. Um, but anyways... So Tommy Pham is is a guy that I believe he's fast enough to steal bases. He's just not that good of a base stealer. Uh, I think he got thrown out like seven or eight times this year out of 25 stolen bases. Um, but I mean, he's got power. He did. He didn't play that much, and he still had. I think it was 22, 23 stolen base or 22, 23 home runs, something like that. Um, so yeah, he's definitely a guy that I would target next year as well. Probably right around the same spot that I would want Buxton though. But Buxton, because he has the elite stolen bases, to where he could do kind of what you want from Billy Hamilton almost, but at the same time give you you know plus and power and and other things. Yeah, potentially. And they're they're going about five picks apart. Um, and I'd, I'd rather have Hamilton just because I know what I'm getting in Hamilton. I'm getting stolen base potential. Uh, Buxton just feels like a lottery ticket to me, which is, you know, depending upon, like, I, I'm fine taking a lottery ticket in the 12th round. I don't really want to take a lottery ticket in this. Uh, all right. So re- real quick, um, I'm just going to throw some hate on some players that I think are being extremely overdrafted. Oh, here we go. Uh, Xander Bogarts is being drafted 89th overall. I don't think he's a top 200 player. Probably not even a top 250 player. Uh, Bogarts is not a good hit. He's not going to steal bases. He's not going to hit home runs. He didn't hit home runs in an era where everybody hits home runs. Uh, so the fact that he's being drafted 89th overall is just crazy. But he plays for the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> next next one, I, I don't have too much more hate, though, I guess. That was the one that just, like, absolutely just bothers me. Um, so if you like Bogarts, I'm sorry. He's not a good Well, I want to uh, hear your hate. Where is Aaron Hicks falling? Uh, Okay, Hicks. I'm actually probably going to come around on Hicks because he's not being drafted very high. He's being drafted 244th overall. Wow. Uh, so for, for a guy who in short stints have actually looked really good, I like his approach, um, I think I might flyer on Hicks in the last pick of the draft or something like that. I'd much rather have him there than, you know, other guys. Like, who would you rather have, Dansby Swanson or, or, or Hicks? Hicks? Hicks, like 100 times over. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, you know, another guy that's going actually really low that I'm probably going to buy back in on is Jonathan Villar. Horrible season. Absolutely horrible season. But last year, he was a top 15 player. And that's because the steal potential and he just, you know, forgot for a season that he couldn't hit. Uh, but I think there's more, I think VR and Whit Merrifield are more like each other, just opposite sides of the seasons. You look at Whit Merrifield, what he did in 2016 versus 2017, um, and it's like they flopped seasons with a little bit smaller sample size, but they both have atrocious plate discipline. So I'm definitely out on Whit Merrifield. He's being drafted um, let's see here, 66th overall. No thanks. Not with that plate discipline. It's just, again, too big of a lottery ticket. Um, last one, and I'll kick it over to Phil here, is Acuna's being drafted 142nd overall. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Wow. Yeah, that kind of is a nice transition over to me. 142 overall? Yep, 142. So I'll go through, like, a, you got half Britain, Price, Odubel Herrera, John Gray, Carlos Gonzalez, uh, Ron Lacuna, Brett Gardner, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber. So that's the group. Wow. I think just because I'm not sure when he's going to get called up, I don't, I, I think that's a little early um but early but again if you're gonna he has you're right he has he has the talent i mean i was 
just going to say because if I take Buxton that or that is where I said I would take him, uh, Acuna has the ability to do the same thing. This this guy could be a first round pick in 2019 or 2020. Um, that's you know that's how good this guy is. He started off in A ball last year and they were like, "There's no way he's getting past Double A." Once they promoted him to Double A, they knew immediately that he was just going to kill it. I think he hit. Uh, what did he do? Three. 25, uh, 374, 522 triple slash with 21 home runs and 82 RBIs and 44 stolen bases. And uh, and, and I believe he was a 20-year-old uh, going from or maybe 19 and 20, but just going from A ball to or low A to high A to double A to triple A into the season. Not many people get a chance to do that. All right, so here's the latest scoop from Rotowire and ESPN. Acuna currently batting 294 in the Arizona Fall League. And let's see, he's expected to make his big league as soon as the Braves have secured an extra year of team control around mid to late April. Oh, so like a couple weeks into the season, like right. the, the Chris Bryant thing. He, yeah. He could, he could be this year's or next year's Cody Bellinger easily where a guy just bursts onto the scene. If he gets enough bats, you know, I, I expect him to produce. He's not even 20 years old yet. He'll be right. 20 when the season starts, but he's 19 years old right now. And what he's doing at the levels that he's doing it at, I mean, Fall League's not like, you know, it's not anything amazing, but Fall League's a good, you know, it's probably double A. And so what he's been doing in the winter ball last season when it started in Australia, what he did this year in the minors, and then what he's doing in the fall league. He's just, he's primed and ready to just produce. Yeah, it's it's been about 18 months of really good baseball from him, and, and there's a reason that some people have him as the number one overall prospect in uh, baseball right now. So I, I would be one of those people. Yeah, me too. Uh, especially because of the stolen bases. Uh, that's just something where uh, I haven't seen him play defense or anything like that, but you find a spot for a guy like this. Um, doesn't matter where he plays. Alright, so the next guy uh by the way i guess these are prospects for next year to kind of keep an eye on um in the offseason kind of thing um the next guy maybe not necessarily next year but he's gonna be on your radar at some point i hope he makes it uh september call up next year at the earliest man oh man this kid is special vladimir guerrero jr um he he's a guy people are considering him kind of close to miggy they're saying he's much much better than his dad with much much better uh discipline which is just crazy is to even think shocking. of. Shocking, <laughs> right? Granted, right. his his hittable zone was anything that bounced through about four feet off the plate in all directions. Oh. And anything above his shoulders too. Vlad Vlad swung at anything. Um, but Vlad Jr. They they've had comps to him as like Miggy and and hitters like that coming up. So he's he's a really special hitter coming up. And the next guy uh, we talked about earlier, um, Eloy Jimenez. He's a guy that, uh, you know, he was part of that big trade, uh, Jose Quintana. Um, also, the Cubs traded away all of their prospects. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but this guy has, like, light tower power. He's a really young hitter. Uh, I believe he's, like, 19 or 20 at this point. And he is kind of the right-handed Rafael Devers, uh, just a guy that is going to tear up baseball uh, as soon as he comes, uh, comes to the major leagues. And that should probably be some point either late next year or early in 2019. Uh, yeah, no, no real reason for the White Sox to rush him. Um, they're going to let him probably force his way onto the Major League roster. He, right. may get a, he may get an opportunity here or there depending upon what the 40-man does as far as outfielders and the guys get injured, but um, he's, he's going to have to force his way onto the roster. He's a really young guy that's not pushing his way like Acuna is, but uh, again, he's a top 5, top 10 overall prospect in every publication you look at. 
He, uh, in a batting uh, home run derby, he actually broke a light in center field. You can watch the uh, the replay on YouTube. I don't know if, Jeremy, I, I can send you the link if you can uh, post it with this. But Sweet. Uh, it is pretty awesome to watch because it's it just, uh, what is that movie, The Natural? It reminds me just of that. Like, he crushes the ball, and then the pitcher goes to pitch again, and then you just see stuff, like, falling in the outfield, and you're like, did that really just happen? <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, his power. All right, and then I wanted to talk about a couple of pitchers also. Uh, Alex Reyes was very hyped up at the end of last year for good reason, um, not just because he's a Cardinal and awesome, uh, but because he throws 100 miles an hour and has wicked curveball. Uh, he's a guy that is going to be the top of the rotation at some point for the Cardinals, um, it probably is not going to be next year because he's coming back from Tommy John. But next year would be a good time to try to get him in a dynasty league because you don't want to be the year late on him is what I'll say. Anybody else got anything on Reyes? Nope. All righty. Um, Brent Honeywell is another guy that is, uh, you know, we talked about a couple of times last year. Uh, I saw him at the Futures game. He he did a, a really awesome at the Futures game. He started for the USA team. Uh, I actually sat behind his family. Uh, it was a really cool experience. But anyways, uh, the Rays are notorious for holding back their pitchers, and I believe he will finally get a chance to pitch next year, uh, and we will see that screwball in the major leagues again. Uh, man, oh, man, that's going to be really fun to watch. He's, he's a hell of a pitcher. I think that he has the upside as high as any pitcher kind of out there. People just don't think he has that great of a floor either. So a lot of people are kind of throwing him in the middle and kind of not not taking a side at all. I think I'm in the the former uh, where I think that he's actually going to be a a damn good pitcher. Well, there's a good chance he cracks the rotation this year, especially if any of the rumors surrounding Alex Cobb moved uh, come to fruition. So there may be some spots that are open for him and their young studs. Yeah, and that and that is the mo of the the Rays. They do tend to trade away their pitching, uh, get a couple of prospects, groom the prospects, uh, trade them off, and kind of re- rinse and repeat. So they've been doing this for a while. Uh, David Price was gone. Um, God, who else? They had James Shields. Uh, they've they've traded away a lot of damn good pitchers. So it's kind of crazy to think about how good their pitching staff would have been had they actually just had some money to pay. Uh, but that's kind of crazy. I think Archer may get well. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that as well. Um, so I do believe, like you said, that Honeywell will be in the rotation at some point, probably early in the season. Um, you know, he's he's just a guy that watch out for because he could he could jump up and and even be a top thirty, top forty starting pitcher, kind of right right from Jump Street. So watch him. And then the other guys are a little bit farther away, so we don't really have to talk about them because I know we went over uh, quite a bit for what we were trying to do today. Sweet. Well, this has been our season wrap-up. Find Keith at Fantasy underscore Keith. You can find Todd at Goldie Happens. I am Phil, and I am at The Baseball Jedi. And I have been Jeremy at Front Office Jer, and follow us at Fan Front Office. Find us on the website, and hopefully we'll have a few more articles coming out this offseason over at FanFrontOfficePodcast.com. Alrighty, until the next show, have a great offseason, and may the Dodgers lose the World Series. <laughs>